morning comes from Psalm 85, beginning in the first verse. The psalmist wrote these things. God, you smiled on your good earth. You brought good times back to Jacob. You lifted the cloud of guilt from your people, and you put their sins far out of sight. I can't wait to hear what he'll say. God's about to pronounce his people well. The holy people he loves so much, so they'll never again live like fools. See how close his salvation is to those who fear him. Our country is a home base for glory. Love and truth meet in the street. Right living and whole living embrace and kiss. Truth sprouts green from the ground. Right living pours down from the skies. Oh yes, God gives goodness and beauty. Our land responds with bounty and blessing. Right living strides out before him and clears a path for his passage. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Oh Lord, we pray this day that all the world shall be filled with the peace of this child whose birth we await at Bethlehem. Make us all instruments of your peace, O oh God, being peacemakers in the manner and spirit of Jesus, whose word is peace and who is our peace. Open our ears, hearts, and minds to your word for us this day. Amen. I want you to imagine with me this morning that you would receive your ultimate Christmas gift. A gift so awesome and wondrous that even as you hold it in your hands, you just can't believe that it's yours. Well, you tell others about it, but they don't believe you because it's a gift which cannot be purchased for any price, nor can it be obtained by scurrying from place to place, tiring oneself out by the effort. It is a gift that is so far removed from our experience, so far beyond our grasp and abilities, that we have not even dared to dream that we might someday receive it. Yet on a silent night, a holy night, long ago in Bethlehem, receive this gift we did. It was announced by an angel choir who showed up out of the blue on a midnight clear. Glory to God in the highest, they sang, and on earth, peace, goodwill to all people. It was God's clear message to humankind and God's intention for all of us with the birth of God's Son, spelled out by an angel choir for all to hear. And I think we don't quite get this, 
because we still don't see it played out in the world around us. But this ultimate Christmas present is the gift of peace. Not just peace of mind or eternal peace beyond the grave, but peace and goodwill in this world, here and now. And I think it is so basic to our Advent celebration that we just must not neglect it. No season of Advent worship can truly be complete without at least one try to wrestle with the problem and promise of peace. Please, un please understand me this morning. I'm not talking about any particular crisis or hot spot in the world which may command our attention in this very moment. There are wars and rumors of wars all around us all the time, and words like aggression and national interest, freedom and tyranny are tossed around in every part of the world with regularity, and so it seems the headlines remind us almost daily. And as dangerous and serious as these threats and situations are, and some are much closer to home than we might care to admit or realize, they are just still symptoms of a deeper and more profound spiritual matter. We say as Christians that even in this violent, war-torn world, that Advent still delivers the gift of peace on earth. But perhaps only in a biblical sense can we truly know what this gift means and how it is still realized in our world. Now, when most of us speak of peace, we mean an absence of war. And even the Bible occasionally uses the word in that way. Two kings sign a treaty, and so they make peace. But far more common in Scripture is the more positive view of peace as shalom, a holistic condition of compatibility and prosperity, unity and abundance. But far more than the absence of war, shalom is a state of being in harmony with others to the point that war is not only impossible, but unthinkable. Now when most folks think of peace, they think of it as something to be won or created through treaties or alliances, agreements, you get the idea. But scripture says that all peace comes from God and comes from God as a gift. God will speak to God's people, our text from Psalms today says, and God has indeed spoken peace to us consistently down through time, teaching us what Jesus called the things that make for peace. So after all these years, do you suppose that the things that make for peace are really still a mystery to us? Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. Do not oppress the poor or answer roughly the pleas of the needy. And do not let some acquire so much of God's earth for themselves that others are left without. For this brings not peace and prosperity, but resentment and rebellion. Jesus put it in words so simple that they seem to have never been tried. Let people and nations make friends of their enemies. 
by treating others as they themselves would be treated. Let those who have much realize their common destiny lies with those who have little. Let leaders and negotiators create lasting peace by paying as much attention to their adversaries' needs and interests as they do their own. Love your neighbor as yourself is political as well as a personal wisdom. For whether it be in a nearby inner city or a faraway third world village, in the long run, and Dr. King said this, there can be peace for no one without justice for everyone. Of course, human history is the tragic story of our turning to ourselves and not to God for the peace we so fervently seek and need. In fact, we have longed so desperately but so misguidedly for peace down through the years that we vainly try to create it in very many different ways. Some have tried peace through invasion and have actually managed to eliminate war for a time. But the building resentments among those who've been conquered only lead to war and rebellion again. Some have tried peace through strength and intimidation, hoping that peace will come from the threat of war. But the same human pride which causes one side to issue the threat causes the other side to resist that threat leaving both sides locked arm in arm, sliding down a slippery slope towards war. Some have tried peace through appeasement, hoping to delay, delay war by just placating an enemy. And some have tried peace through poverty, hoping to avoid war by ridding themselves of anything any enemy might want. Others have tried using overwhelming force, hoping to gain peace by ending war quickly, but when they inevitably inflict mass destruction on both innocent civilians as well as enemy soldiers, they find that while they may have won the war, they've lost the values that they were fighting to defend in the first place. All of these and many other approaches have filled the sad pages of human history. And none has produced peace on any scale for any length of time. Whew. So finally, the good news for this morning is that God saw and knew this all down through the years, bloody century after bloody century, until finally, as the prophets had promised, God did a new thing. God made peace a person. God sent God's only son, who is our prince of peace. God spoke peace and the word God spoke became flesh and lived among us. If you don't hear anything else this morning, hear this. Peace became a person. For he is our peace, declares Paul of Jesus Christ in Ephesians. 
in his flesh, Christ has broken down the barriers of hostility between us, making peace between all people and peace between all people and God. And Paul goes on to write, before we had no hope because we were without God in the world, but now God is in the world in the person of Jesus Christ. And because he is, we now have hope. We now have peace. But we won't have it until we come to understand that it must be realized at a profoundly spiritual level before it can be realized in our homes, our communities, or the world. I have come to believe that there is no other way. Peace cannot be imposed from the top down. As emperors, kings, dictators, presidents have all demonstrated to us so wildly all down through history. Nor can peace be imposed from the bottom up because revolutions and rebellions, even when motivated by the desire to create justice, just replace one form of violence with another. No, peace cannot come from the top down or from the bottom up. It can only come from the inside out. It must begin in the human heart and find expressions in lives which are led in service to the one who is our peace, that very baby born in Bethlehem. And the path to peace comes by emulating the man that baby became. In personal and political terms, peace is no longer some unattainable ideal, but it's an embodied idea which is available to everyone because it is found in the love, service, and sacrifice that is the heart of Christian spirituality. True peace comes to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Is this not what God has done by sending Jesus to our hostile, warring world? As long as Christ lives in our midst, there is peace in him who is our peace. He unites in love all who are living for him. He is the shalom in our world, God's ultimate gift which fills our heart this Advent season and which we pray someday will fill the entire earth. We rejoice in his coming and we seek to live in his ways for in Jesus God has spoken and the very word that God has spoken is peace. It's peace. May every heart prepare him room. Amen.